Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Francis is often known for saying ambiguous things about important different things in the life of the church. He's also known for almost unconsciously telling us what he really thinks and making his errors easy for the whole world and the whole church's deceit. We have an example of this today, and it involves heresy, and it involves Francis being so out of touch with the state of the church, with the present condition of the church, which is unambiguously in crisis state, that he honestly thinks that everything is basically fine, that there is no real crisis going on, at least not in a bigger scheme. The main interview we'll talk about today makes everything he says and does make more sense in a way, and it shows how deeply in trouble we are in the church. Let's start by diving in with a different interview than that one, though, which shows us an underlying problem. Francis openly rejects teachings of the church that had been infallibly defined by councils that were infallible explicitly. Francis recently visited some seminarians in Spain and gave them some truly bad heretical advice. We're all pretty familiar with Francis giving terrible advice about the faith, and now he's openly flouting church teaching with seminarians in order to make sure that his errors survive long past the time that he's gone. So this story comes from LifeSite News, and they report these errors in this way. Quote, In a sharp departure from scriptural and Catholic church teaching, Francis has allegedly advised Spanish seminarians to quote-unquote forgive all, even when there is no intention to repent. The Catalan blog Germanon's Germanibit originally reported that, according to several seminarians, on December 10th, Francis specially emphasized during their visit to him in Rome that, quote, everything must be forgiven, even if there is no purpose of amendment, and that no case can absolution be denied, as this would render the priest guilty of an, quote, unfair and moralistic judgment. The remarks defy perennial Catholic Church teaching as defined by the Council of Trent, that, quote, contrition, that is, sorrow of the soul and the reprobation of the sin committed, accompanied by the intention not to sin again in the future, has always been necessary to ask for the remission of sins. See Denzinger, chat, uh, paragraph 1676, end quote. Let's repeat that. The Council of Trent, which is infallible, and we must submit otherwise to the Council of Trent's teachings, Otherwise, we are guilty of heresy, says that in order for someone to receive absolution when confessing sins, we must have the intent not to sin again. We must have contrition for our sins. Francis is saying that Trent was wrong, that the infallible Council of Trent was wrong about a matter of faith and morals, that their judgment fuels moralizing and judgmental thinking. That sets the stage for another interview, one that you probably didn't read for yourself unless you re often read South American news outlets, especially ones that are relatively unknown here. In an outlet whose Spanish name translates to Black World, Francis gave an interview about his upcoming trips to Africa and other places he described as being on the peripheries. As is often the case, most of what he says is generally fine or otherwise forgettable, but he has asked a couple of questions worth zeroing in on. Francis demonstrates that he isn't even willing to contemplate the idea that Vatican II had negative consequences of any kind for the church. And he celebrates a corruption of the gospel that is all too common in our time, 
which we saw manifested most overtly in that whole Pacamama debacle. And yes, I am mispronouncing the name of the Pacamama demon on purpose. You don't need to correct my pronunciation on it. I'm saying it on purpose incorrectly because every exorcist says, don't talk, don't mention demons by name. Anyway, first, Francis is asked about Vatican II. Remember, this outlet is a mainstream news outlet, one that Francis's handlers deemed it would be appropriate for Francis to speak to. This is not Catholic Family News or Life Site or some South American equivalent. This is an outlet acceptable to the extreme modernists who run the Vatican and the church these days. They ask him about Vatican II with the following question. The Second Vatican Council, which is now 60 years old, gave an extraordinary missionary impulse. Has mission changed much since then? Do the church and the people need another mission? It's a pretty straightforward question. And here is Francis's predictable but kind of galling answer. The church is so much better off now than she was before the council. Everything is better now than before. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Quoting Francis. Thank God, yes. Historians say that it takes 100 years for a council to have a complete result, so it is halfway there. So many things have changed in the church, so many things for the better. There are two interesting signs. The first, imprudent effervescences of the council have already disappeared. I am thinking of the liturgical effervescences, which are almost non-existent. And anti-conciliar resistances are emerging. Resistances that were not seen before, something typical of every process of maturity. But so many things have changed. In the missionary part, the respect for cultures, the fact of enculturation of the gospel, is one of the values that come as direct consequence of the council. The faith is enculturated. And the gospel takes the culture of its people. There is an evangelization of the culture. Enculturation of faith and evangelization of culture are these two movements. And when I speak of evangelization of culture, I am not speaking of reductionism of culture or of ideologizing cultures or all that which is a serious temptation nowadays, but I am speaking of evangelizing of announcing and nothing more, with much respect. Therefore, the most serious sin that a missionary can have is proselytism. Catholicism is not proselytism, end quote. Catholicism is not proselytism. He's saying that before his vaunted council, the church spread the gospel in a way that was disrespectful to other cultures. We forced our belief on other cultures. That's not even remotely true. Can someone point to errors made in the past by missionaries? Sure, absolutely. Human beings were told to spread the gospel, and human beings make mistakes, even in the name of the gospel, especially sometimes in the name of the gospel, unfortunately, and they must have had a harsh judgment themselves, but the church always corrected them. I'm going to zero in on something here. He is celebrating the disappearance of what he calls effervescences, and I think something gets lost in translation because that's not a word people in you know the West use much. Effervescent means airy or bubbly. Champagne is effervescent. Soft drinks are effervescent. Here, effervescent means silly, extravagant, or excessive. And he's saying that a lot of the excesses from, that came after the council have disappeared. You know, the crazy years of the 1970s in the church, where the mass suddenly had John Denver masses and Elvis Presley masses and 
oh, clown masses being common. Those things have disappeared from the, from the church life. It's not really true. We still have plenty of those things happening. I've seen uh, footage of actual heavy metal masses before. I mean, the stuff is silly, to be honest with you. So he's a little out of touch there. Things aren't probably as bad as they were in the 1970s. If you're you know, older than I am and you remember the 70s, you know what he's talking about. But let's talk about enculturation, which he speaks positively about enculturation of the gospel. Here he means the gospel proclaimed in a way that the local church being preached to can understand beyond preaching in their language, merely preaching in their language. This could involve, for example, preservation of customs or the baptism of local customs and habits. That's what enculturation means. Festivals and the like and representing them as Christian. Catholic Answers describes it in this way, quoting John Paul II and Cardinal Newman and others to explain how this whole thing works, or at least how it's supposed to work from a Catholic view. Quote, Through enculturation, the Church makes the Gospel incarnate in different cultures, and at the same time introduces peoples, together with their cultures, into her own community. She transmits it to them, her own values. At the same time, taking the good elements that already exist in them and renewing them from within. Through enculturation, the church, for her part, becomes a more intelligible sign of what she is and a more effective instrument of mission. Uh, that comes from Redemptoris Missio, paragraph 52 of John Paul II. John Paul II taught that using cultural elements in service of the gospel is not wrong as long as such elements, quote, in no way compromise the distinctiveness and integrity of the Catholic faith, end quote. And you see this with, like, you know, uh, accounts of missionary work with Native Americans in the 18th century in North America. But anyway, Francis uses that as a defense of the Pacamama demon and other bizarre practices kept in practice among locals in South America. Practices that reek of liberation theology or just out-and-out -out paganism. This isn't like a Christmas tree here or traditional garb. This goes beyond customs like that. John Paul II described in that Catholic Answers quote, because those do not corrupt the Christian nature of the gospel message. For Francis, as his track record demonstrates, this quickly turns into a celebration of the pagan, a preservation of their theology and their weird practices. In practice, we've seen a line crossed, but that's because Francis believes the church should accompany those who aren't Catholic instead of trying to get them to come to know and love our blessed Lord and to convert, to follow him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, certainly not through the packet demon. He chastised missionaries in the past for not honoring other cultures and for treating making converts like collecting trophies. He's told non-Catholic groups to their face to focus on being the best whatever they were already instead of converting. I guess he calls that enculturation now. The interviewer then goes on and asks him about the tendency of the formerly missionary countries of Asia and Africa to becoming the evangelizing countries, to sending missionaries, how they send missionaries to the West. They ask the question, according to the classic missionary concept, is the West a mission territory? The answer is an obvious yes for anyone with eyes to see, and even Francis admits that's the case. I was left wondering, though, if enculturation of non-Christian societies is what the church should do, why is the church not accepting enculturation in the form of... Christian in the, in the former Christian countries in the name of the distorted gospel Francis promotes. You would think he would be into that, but no, he's not. And he gives us an answer, kind of, sort of. But here's his answer about mission territories in general. Quote, five places, Belgium, 
Holland, Spain, Ireland, and Quebec, filled the world with missionaries. Today, these five places have no vocations. It's a mystery. And in less than 100 years, how can we explain this? I don't see any explanation. End quote. Ah, yes. Francis doesn't see why vocations have absolutely collapsed in those countries. It's a mysterious mystery, as they say, and it goes back to his statements about Vatican II. See, Vatican II not only destroyed vocations, but it also convinced a lot of Catholic-identified states to stop being as such. Vocations collapsed because the, church, the way the church views itself and the way the church understands the gospel changed at Vatican II, including those things I just mentioned. In effect, religion itself changed. Francis has admitted this elsewhere. Cardinal Roach in interviews explained why they are in the process of banning the traditional mass, said that the liturgy that made countless saints no longer fits the faith today, that the faith has changed. They admit that they changed Catholicism fundamentally at Vatican II, and they have no explanation for why vocations collapsed as a consequence, because they're wearing blinders. They can't see the consequences of their own actions. They can't understand why vocations continue to collapse to the point of it being unsustainable. He's asked if the collapse in vocations worries him. Here's his myopic answer. Quote, No, it does not worry me in the sense that we are melting. It is a sign of the times that signals worldliness, that signals a level of development that puts values elsewhere. This signals crisis. There are crises and crises must be lived and overcome. End quote. He's not really wrong about that much. Materialism, worldliness, and the focus on the flesh in the world are certainly not helping vocations in the church. But the faith, the real, authentic Catholic faith, the same faith of the saints and the doctors of the church, that faith is the antidote to the poisons of materialism and worldliness. I have to admit, it's pretty rich to see Francis complaining about worldliness, by the way. He's, he's the one who has a focus on the created world. Care for a common home, as he described it in Laudato Si, his probably most infamous or famous encyclical to date. And he has fully signed on to the program of the non-believing elites who are pushing some pretty evil and overtly satanic programs to make their goals a reality. Francis is himself the biggest pusher of materialism in the church. It's just not a consumer materialism, which is what he objects to. Talk about something that is effervescent, by the way. His Laudato Si program, his green pr program, is purely ideological. And it's the definition of effervescent or silly. It represents a fleeting thing of this world, something that's so locked into this decade that it's beyond ridiculous. And Francis spends so much time promoting it that any claims about perceived excesses of the liturgy can't be taken seriously from him. Just to reiterate, though, priests start to reject what the Council of Trent infallibly defined as a valid confession and just allow sacrilegious confessions as a rule, though thankfully I don't understand why somebody would walk into a confessional without at least lying to themselves that they're going to repent, so I guess there's that much. <laughs> and the collapse of vocations that started immediately after the Council is something he doesn't understand. According to third-party data, it started right after the Council, and it's a mystery to him. He doesn't understand it. Got it, Francis. Wonderful, even. And people wonder... I call him Packa Papa Francis. Anyway, I'm curious what you thought of this, so let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.